Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's August 22nd, 1849. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Picture it, Venice, 1849, under siege from the Austrian army. A shout goes out, look out, bombs incoming, get somewhere to hide quickly, or slowly actually, seeing as these bombs are drifting towards the Italian city-state on a fleet of miniature hot air balloons. History's weird first ever air raid. Or second ever, if you include the first attempt to do this on July the 15th. (laughs) On July the 15th, the Austrian Empire attempted to get back Venice with some unmanned balloons filled with explosives. This was the idea of Lieutenant Franz von Ucasius, who devised a crude timing device using charcoal and greased cotton thread. But he hadn't calculated the winds correctly, and all of the balloons they released actually ended up blowing back on them. Um, (laughs) He then tiptoed around the corner with his fingers in his ears, (laughs) waiting for the big explosion. (laughs) Yeah, it's astonishing that they went back for more. I saw a Time magazine account from an eyewitness that said, the balloons appeared to rise about 4,500 feet, and then they exploded in midair or fell into the water, or blown by a sudden southeast wind, sped over the city and dropped onto the besiegers. Venetians, abandoning their homes, crowded into the streets and squares to enjoy the strange spectacle, and when a cloud of smoke appeared in the air to make an explosion, all clapped and shouted. Applause was the greatest when the balloons blew over the Austrian forces and exploded, and in such cases the Venetians added cries of bravo and buen appetito. (laughs) But it is a good idea, isn't it? Because you can't do an infantry attack on Venice because of the lagoon. It's too shallow. You can't get close enough. So the Austrians had to do something like this, and this was innovative. This idea of basically drones before drones existed. Yeah. Let's put up a load of balloons and send them over. They just the prototype wasn't that successful. But on this day, two hundred twenty-three feet diameter balloons, each equipped with a long copper wire this time that was used to remotely trigger a thirty-three pound bomb, got sent over. That does seem like a good innovation, though, to have a trigger that you can pull just in case the balloons do blow over your own yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, some would say it was a vital element of this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've made Franz von Uchatius to be a bit of a dastardly type, which isn't true. He was actually a very clever man, Austrian artillery engineer. He came up with some really good ideas, like smokeless powder. He developed this special kind of steel for cannon that's named after him. He was the Willy Wonka of the Austrian Empire. Gobstoppers that explode in your face. The reason the Austrians were even surrounding Venice, it was part of this wider series of uprisings across Europe that were called the Revolutions of 1848. And broadly, it was all about throwing off imperial rulers or autocratic monarchs and creating modern democratic states. But the previous year, the Austrians had been putting down a rebellion like this in Milan, and they had successfully used balloons to drop propaganda leaflets over the city. And so, you know, von Uchatius thought, why not this, but with bombs? 
Mm. And to put it in a bit broader context, so for many centuries, the Italian peninsula was a pretty politically fragmented group of states. And then Napoleon, when he conquered the whole region, introduced a bunch of ideas that became really key to the cause of Italian unification, specifically the destruction of the last vestiges of feudalism and the ideals of freedom and equality, and also the introduction of the notion of nationalism. And so across Italy, and as part of this broader revolutionary sentiment, that was brewing across Europe, there were these individual uprisings and the Austrians actually subdued most of them. And this was the final phase of the reconquest of the area and Venice was the last thing standing. This was scary for the people when it actually did start hitting Venice because there was no control over who it was going to hit. I mean, imagine a balloon on fire falling from the sky at a time when balloons were quite innovative technology that you didn't see every day anyway. They still get used in the Middle East. You've had Palestinians throwing these over into Israel haven't they? It's a low-tech way to try and lob a missile over a wall, basically, and stick it on some kind of primitive flying device. And you hear Mm. from contemporary accounts of like, oh, the children thought it was a party balloon and then realised with terror what it actually was. You can imagine that primal fear of seeing this thing falling from the sky, especially in a city where everyone was really religious as well. Yeah, I I couldn't find an account of specifically how many bombs reached the target, but I think few of them fell on the Austrians. (laughs) Great success. (laughs) At least one reportedly detonated in St. Mark's Square, and it does seem like the atmosphere was very different this time round to the first time round. There was a captain of a British vessel called the Frolic, and he later told London newspapers that the assault provoked, quote, extreme terror and moral repercussions. And five days later, the Austrians did enter Venice. But I mean, that was probably due to the fact that, you know, they had been under siege for a while and food was running out. But certainly seems like the balloons had a big psychological effect, if not an actual casualty rate. And the Austrians didn't cede Venice to the Italians until 1866. So this worked out in the medium term for them too. I think part of the effect on the population must have been the ratcheting up of tensions between the first attempt and the second Mm. attempt, because obviously the first attempt wasn't taken very seriously. But the Austrians didn't hide that they were going to try again. They actually published it in the Austrian press, slightly overstating it. They claimed they would annihilate the rebellious city with these balloons, which obviously isn't what happened in the end. (laughs) But certainly waiting the countdown to seeing this fleet of balloons coming towards you yet again, if they had all, or almost all of them, had landed over Venice, the effect would have been incredibly destructive. Yeah, those news reports that suggest that there was annihilation going on, you really have to do a lot of redefinition of what annihilate means to get to what actually happened. Like the way that decimate means to kill everyone in 10 people, but we regard it as meaning to completely obliterate. And, you know, I I think that this interpretation of annihilation was fairly short of the mark as well. They need to invent a new word that means to kill like one in 100,000 people. Cause a roof fire. I don't think we need to rewrite the reportage from 18. 49 now. I think that's been laid to rest. (laughs) But I think the significance of this event is that people call it the birth of the air raid, don't they? And so let's investigate whether that's accurate or not. I mean, interestingly, the other candidate for what might genuinely be the first air raid, you know, using planes, also involves Italy, um, because it was Italian forces that 62 years later in 1911 dropped bombs over a village near Tripoli to attack the Ottoman Empire. So Italy gets a mention in either case. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that one was great. I love the air raid was literally an Italian aviator called Giulio Gavotti. He dropped four bombs over Turkish bases, physically throwing the grenades out of the top of his right. open top monoplane. <laughs> but it also speaks to the success or lack thereof that the next time Venice was subjected to anything like an air raid was in 1915. So, you know, it's not as if this tactic was so successful that the Austrians were like, yes, we should use this now. 
now and forever. No, it's not going to be used for another 60 years. But I think, actually, from the perspective of the civilian on the ground, seeing a thing raining down on you from the sky, whether that's an arrow, a rock, a cannonball, a javelin, or in this case, a balloon, is the same Mm. effect, isn't it? So I think quibbling over the use of the word air Mm. raid kind of gets in the way of the fact that You know, the ancient Chinese were using bamboo hand grenades. And obviously planes changed everything in terms of aerial attacks. So I think the descendant of this incident isn't so much plane air raids, but the Zeppelin air raids Mm. that were surprisingly a big deal in World War I. I feel like people don't talk about World War I air raids, even though they did actually have a pretty high casualty rate. started in 1915, where German Zeppelins dropped incendiary devices and grenades over London at night. That killed seven people. And those raids continued for over a year. It killed 700 people in London during World War One, until basically what happened was that planes at the time couldn't fly high enough to shoot them down and then they very quickly developed planes that could fly high enough to shoot them down and obviously then the Zeppelins just turned into instant fireballs and that was the end of that. But that really was this but much bigger. If that isn't the significance of this then, the other thing that sometimes gets said, as I alluded to earlier, is that this is the first drone in effect. Mm. Now, drone guys have some quibbling about the definitions here because they say, yes, this is an unpiloted aircraft, so you tick, nearly a drone, but it can't be properly targeted. As we've discussed, it's, it's at the mercy of the winds. <laughs> so then it isn't a drone. And if you take that definition of drone to mean unpiloted but properly targeted, then the first widely accepted drone is the Queen Bee hence the name drone, didn't know that, drone B, um, demonstrated by the British Army in 1935, which was a converted aircraft that could reach over 17,000 feet and travel more than 400 kilometres and could be targeted. Wait, how did they control it in those days? They had a long piece of wire and they triggered it when it got to the other end. All the way back to number 10 Downing Street. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. And I was like, this, this is why the average person isn't allowed to come up with solutions to hostage crises. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.